everything was revealed. The secret of the perfect hack, make it infallible. Hidden within the kernel is a logic bomb. Malicious code designed to execute under circumstances I've programmed. Should the FBI take an image of the femtosol, all memory will self-corrupt or explode. Step four, write the script. Why do it myself? Because that's how I learned and I know exactly what, when, and how it's going to run. I didn't do anything harmful my first time. Just looked around, but I felt so powerful. 11 years old and in complete control of the Washington Township Public Library. Today is different. I hacked the world. Hello, friend. You've got mail. It's time for another episode of Hello, friend, a podcast all about the incredible series, Mr. Robot. My name's Margaret. I'm here with Henry, and we're about to drop some major logic bombs on our recap of this episode for season two. It's the fifth installment for this season, written and directed by Sam Esmael. Overall, Henry, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, I, I like some of the reveals here. Um, we learn a little bit more about White Rose, or actually quite a bit. Pretty eventful episode. What do you think? I thought it was so much fun to see Elliot fully in hacking action, even though it completely is going to potentially lead to some dangerous roads for him. And of course, the whole story relied heavily on the notion of a logic bomb, which in the world of computer jargon is a code or a routine that a, a coder will secretly incorporate into a program. And it only triggers if there are a certain set of actions or scenarios that come into play. I mean, it's kind of like an Easter egg in video games. Yeah. And the theme of something getting revealed, which is kind of what underlies the logic bomb, something hidden and then kind of revealed. It's kind of a theme of this episode, it seems to me, because we learn a lot about various characters who have been cloaked a bit in shadow. I also really like how the episode showed how all of the various people who are involved in this conspiracy, whether implicitly or they're somehow innocently wrapped up in it, they all start feeling like they're being followed. They all start feeling like they're paranoid and they're looking over their shoulder. We saw that with even Joanna Wellick in this episode. We saw it a little bit with Dominique when she was descending the escalator when she arrived in Beijing. Dominique immediately spots those two men who happen to be wearing masks just like the Dark Army. Were they sent there to spy on Dominique at the very moment she arrives? And even the parking lot attendant was lamenting to Joanna Wellick that he felt that he was being followed. So there's this very interesting idea of paranoia, but just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're wrong. So I thought this was a really great episode this week. Where do you want to start with that? Do you want to start with the biggest reveal, which was... White Rose, a.k.a. Mr. Jong, we finally figure out who he is in his more public life. And the Chinese Minister of State Security, in some ways, having a role as a Chinese Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover, right? Cross-dressing, responsible for security. 
and at the same time has uh, conspiracies of his own that he has going on. Yeah, he's an incredibly com- complex character, and it sort of plays a lot into some of the things we were talking about in terms of who the Dark Army might be affiliated with. And, and of course, the fact that Philip Price and White Rose are also so closely aligned, it really leads me to wonder what they're up to. You know, I think the fact that the backups were in China had, had to speak to the a good relationship between the Chinese government and Evil Corp, because as Uber demonstrated just most recently, if you don't have a good relationship in China, you're going to bleed money and soon uh, sell out. Yeah, there's really nothing you can do to prevent that from happening. And Uber had to sell out to their competitor who is uh, headquarters and founded over in China uh, because it just would have been so expensive and time consuming. I mean, it would have been astronomically expensive for Uber to stay in that game, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you look at uh, the relationships of the people involved, I mean, it really goes to show that it's a, a closed network. And so I would imagine that the same is the case here with uh, Mr. Zhang and Evil Corp, even though this is fictional, just to play it through, they are going to have a really good relationship uh, between the government uh, of China and this uh, big multinational corporation. Yeah, and I like how he was kind of captivated. Dominique had Mr. Zhang's attention to the extent where he showed her his closet full of really awesome fashion. They talked in that bizarre hall of clocks. Do you think at that point he knew that he was going to kill her? Like as soon as, you know, there was that scene in the, in the meeting room where she kind of jumped the gun and kind of uh, asked him kind of directly and it led to a lot of exchanged looks. And then when she tries to find the bathroom and ends up in that room of clocks, I wonder if in his mind he just at that point knew that he was going to have to kill her. And he was like, might as well just show her the dresses, the clocks, everything. It would make sense that he would be that calculating he is so calculated it seems like every moment that he is conscious right that he's not sleeping because he's so obsessed with making every moment count i mean it's such a crazy way to live so you think those assassins were there to get dominique then i i think it was not just dominique but the you know as many uh people from the fbi as they can because if your goal is to sidetrack the investigation and uh you know, delay, cause confusion, that's a great way to do it, is to assassinate the team that came over to uh, pursue it. Yeah, it's it was pretty scary. And it was telling that when Dominique injured the one assassin that he opted to shoot himself in the head rather than potentially get caught, I suppose. Yeah. The hall of clocks that White Rose or Mr. Zhang had, that was really kind of very bizarre. And, and and when he uh, had to scamper away when the clock struck midnight and all the alarms started going off, he reminded me a little bit of the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland with his haste driven by time. Let me ask, Misty Piero. Have you ever wondered how the world would look if the 5-9 hack never happened? How the world would look right now? In fact... Some believe there are alternate realities playing out that very scenario. 
with other lives that we're leading, other people that we've become. The contemplation moves me very deeply. I apologize. I must go. May I escort you back to the party? That's funny. You were thinking Alice in Wonderland, and I was thinking Cinderella. Mm. <laughs> but I, I thought the same thing. But the way that he ran off when the alarm went off it reminded me of the, you know the rabbit and Alice in Wonderland, and just this constant concern about being late. Yeah, I I completely can see that. It's really funny how we both thought of fairy tales, but they were different. I really appreciate how much Mr. Robot throws in sometimes unusual literary references. For example, Sam Esmael has often referred to the play Macbeth either directly or indirectly in this series. We think about it the most when we consider the character Joanna Wellick, who has often been compared to... Lady Macbeth from that fabulous, awesome play by Shakespeare, to the extent that the actress Stephanie Cornelson said she was researching Lady Macbeth to prepare for her role as Joanna Wellick. And in this episode, since we're on the topic of White Rose and their obsession with clocks and time, White Rose uses Macbeth, a quote from Macbeth, to try to explain where they're coming from to Dominique saying life's but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing not only does this give us a pretty insightful glimpse into White Rose's mind potentially the evil mind of White Rose but it's also maybe foreshadowing what White Rose knows is going to potentially happen to Dominique towards the end when those assassins storm the office where the FBI are staked out. So pretty cool all around, I'd say. Do you have a theory at this point what the collusion is between, or at least the close association between Price and Evil Corp and Mr. Jong is? And his- I wonder if it has something to do with the e-coin that was mentioned and this kind of uh, a virtual currency because, you know, with the China is not completely unrelated to cryptocurrencies and large scale hacks. And as we've seen, Mr. Robot doesn't have any hesitation to draw from, uh, you know, the real world. So this idea that maybe there's something going on with uh, cryptocurrencies and Mr. Zhang trying to somehow make a lot of money um that i wonder if things are going to go in that direction and in some ways that ties into that subplot with ray uh, that seems to also involve bitcoin and the silk road a lot of people who are listening probably are aware that what ray and his cronies are up to is very similar to what happened in real life with the silk road and its many imitators which is basically an illegal marketplace for all sorts of things like was referenced today on mr robot and in the case of mr robot the silk road was accessed through tor and it was somewhat restricted access the founder of the silk road was in the real world is from san francisco 
And since we're on the subject of the Silk Road, if listeners are interested in learning more about what happened with the Silk Road and what is being used in Mr. Robot as a reference point, I do have another podcast. It's a technology podcast, and it's called, of all things, the Digital Burrito Technology Podcast. Anyway, if you listen to episode number eight of that podcast, my co-host Dustin and I talk quite a bit about the Silk Road and what was going down during the trial of the founder of the Silk Road. Very interesting stuff, very much related to the themes that are being covered in Mr. Robot. In the Digital Burrito Technology podcast, when we discuss what happened with the Silk Road, the real life black marketplace that is one of many right now, we felt that the government was going after them especially hard because of the implications around cryptocurrencies and how that could destabilize the world economy. Not that it wasn't terrible what types of things were sold on Silk Road. That certainly played into it, but I think it had a larger picture tie-in in terms of the world economies and cryptocurrencies and, uh, and worldwide currencies that are tied to sovereign nations. Anyway, just a little bit of an aside, but thought you guys might be interested in checking out more on the Silk Road with the Digital Burrito Tech Podcast. And that again, that is episode number eight. Yeah, and I think uh, when he logged in, I think he put something Dread Scott Pirate or something like that, which was kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod at the founder of the Silk Road who was uh, put on trial and uh, went to prison. Yes, because that was his public persona name, the one he used. He didn't use his his real name. You know, that was on his lease for his Hayes Valley apartment. <laughs> I think that there's a collusion going on to take control of world currencies completely away from sovereign nations and make it into something that is tied to maybe corporations or mega corporations. I could see something like that. So with that kind of being said, a lot of violence to close out the episode as well. And what happened to Elliot? I mean, because we see him, I think, more willful than we've seen him in a long time because he's back in his element. He's hacking away, pretending to be helping Ray, but he's spending most of his time writing hacks for what he's planning to do to the FBI. And uh, did you... uh see what it was that was bloody and in the napkin was that an eyeball or was that a rat's tail what was that oh at the at the end of the episode or the end of the episode i think that was that guy's ponytail or something the the it guy i thought they took it off of the it guy oh you thought it was a ponytail or something i don't know what was it that's i'm that's what i'm wondering because it was it was like had a little bit of a curl and it was bloody, so I, th- you know, I he mentioned a rat's tail or rat, so I thought maybe it was that. But then when they faded out on it, it looked a bit like an eyeball to me. So I was wondering what it was. Oh, that is just so disgusting. Elliot was giving the user his framework for hacking. First of all, look for flaws, build malware. And he calls exploits a programmatic expression of his will. Implement those exploits write a logic bomb script, and then run it. He's that good of a hacker where he knows how to tap into the FBI. That's pretty incredible. It kind of follows these very classic narrative arcs where you have 
uh, at the superhero who's been sidelined going through his own kind of angst and uh, sense of discovery. And then something happens to pull him back into the game and he gets reacquainted with his powers. And so that's the kind of arc that we're on right now with Elliot, I think. To this point exactly, we also get a lot of reveals about Elliot because we find out his first hack was at the local library. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's kind of setting the stage with these revelations and with these particular events. It's setting the stage for the next four, five, six episodes to close out the season. If you're interested in reading more about the hack that Elliot is initiating, the Avast software blog has a really great post about it, and they go fairly in-depth in terms of what Elliot is doing. So you guys might want to check that out. You might recognize Avast as being a company that creates antivirus software. It's what I use on my Android phone and I also use it on my Mac devices as well and Avast software was featured in a previous Mr. Robot episode so art imitating life however the blog post is called Mr. Robot Review and the subtitle says didn't really understand how Elliot plans to attack the FBI Avast explains and so they go down each and every part of what Elliot is doing. Let's review. Elliot hacks the FBI by number one, identifying the target and its flaws. And those are exploits. And that's something that was talked a lot about already in the show. The second step is to build the malware to prepare the attack. In the third step, what Elliot does is he creates a reverse shell two stage exploit. A reverse shell exploit is basically entering a person's Android device from the back end, and that's why it's referred to as a reverse shell. One thing that's really interesting that this article on Avast Software points out, and a lot of us probably already implicitly knew this, if anyone uses an Android phone or reads uh, the tech blogs, Androids are considered a lot more vulnerable than iPhones at this point in time. And that's because the Android marketplace is much more fragmented even though Android is dominated in at least North America by Samsung phones, it's much more vulnerable to these kinds of attacks. And so in, in this way that Elliot is able to more easily tap into the FBI phones. There's another step in Elliot's hacking where he is basically loading the malware into what is called a fem-to-cell delivery system. That is referencing cell phone towers that are smaller cell phone towers than the big ones that we're used to seeing. In fact, if you or I wanted to as just a regular individual, we could purchase our own fem-to-cells online. Anyway, it's a really great article on the Avast software blog written by Stephanie Smith, so you all might want to check it out. I highly recommend it. And then we find out that Angela and Darlene, after much coaxing, and then Angela hanging out with her ex, Ollie, who is really into the Josh Brogan. <laughs> I don't even know who it is. Josh, Josh Groban Knight. 
you know, reliving the glory days. Poor Ollie. Angela goes along this journey where she ends up having to collude with F Society to protect herself, much against her will. What is this? I haven't seen you in five weeks, and now you're just in my home? Leave. Now. Okay. If you want the FBI to find out that you were the one who illegally put a CD into a drive at All Safe that set off the crime of the millennium, be my guest. He told you. Yeah. And he cleared All Safe's logs to cover your ass. But now with the FBI's 5-9 investigation, this could all lead back to both you and Elliot. Again, stupid Ollie. Wow, he's just this guy who just keeps making her life difficult. Oh, and poor Gideon. They can't even have really valid, like really sincere grief for him. It's, you know, Ollie's like crazy sad about Gideon, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no respect for Gideon in the afterlife. Do, do you feel like the stuff where they'll refer to, for example, in the show, Five Nine Truther, which is definitely a playoff on the whole so-called 9-11 truth for truth for in real life is that is that too on the nose do you feel no i mean i think it kind of goes to speak to the malleable nature of uh, of reality and how people perceive it i think it's very apropos so that's one thing ollie did bring up to angela was that you know there are some people that who are five nine truthers who say it was a crisis performance to reset everything and mr jong did ask dominique what she thought the world would be like if five nine never happened yeah and i I wonder at some point whether or not the show's gonna explore the plot scenario whereby elliot was manipulated into kind of being the lone gunman you know, this idea that maybe the powers that be wanted this to happen and it was just a matter of enabling or allowing someone to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good point. We got to see a guest appearance by Hot Carla, the local pyro, which I was really glad she was back in a very brief scene. Joanna Wellick, her story gets more and more bizarre. How is she able to have such a loyal henchman who will kill for her? there was a struggle. He pulled his gun in self-defense. The attacker got him first. Two gunshot wounds, one to the chest, another to the head. Did he look at you before you finished the job? Yes. Ma'am, if I may, why drug him? Would have been just as easy to shoot and leave. Killing a man instantly robs him of explanation. He has no time to process his final moments. Now, even though he was paralyzed, his mind was still able to understand why his life was ending. Who the heck is she? I ask once again. Yeah, exactly. Like, who is she? And, you know, did you catch that reference where the the guy that she was paying and then later killed um, said, hey, you know, why are we doing all this for this guy in the hoodie? Right? Did you catch that? I did catch that. And so then that makes me think, okay, so what did he see and what is Joanna protecting from what seems to be a reference to Elliot? So strange. And it was absolutely a reference to Elliot. And she's getting these little gifts and she's getting these phone calls. And it's it's really hard to tell if it's really Terrell or if it's Elliot or what's going on there. Or Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. 
And, and did you also see that uh, Elliot is not living in an institution as we maybe uh, guessed my, like where that was my theory? Because at the end, when he got rousted out of bed and pulled outside, that wasn't an institution. That was just, a, a, you know, a neighborhood. And he gets out from the back, like the classic gang boss. Makes me think that it's him. Oh, yeah. And I think the site was called Mid-City, for whatever it's worth. It's definitely a play on Silk Road. Yeah, exactly. I did think it was a nice touch that Elliot told Angela that he sees Mr. Robot, a.k.a. his dead father. That lends more credence to the idea that Elliot might be in an institution. But you're right. The rest of how the scene played out implied he's living with his mom. Well... I'm really excited that I had a chance to talk about Logic Bomb with you, Henry. I I thought it was really very fast-paced. There was a lot going on. I'm definitely intrigued by how Dominique is going to converge with Elliot eventually. I continue to be impressed with Darlene's ability to just set things in motion and really make plans, even if she does... If she was working in an office, her employees would probably sue her for hostile work environment. I want you to leave the DC off. You're being promoted. Take the crew down to the Capitol tonight and begin prepping. You serious, really? Well, you've done good. Now take charge. Act like a leader. This is a very serious opportunity. You know the plan, right? Oh, yeah. Good. Don't forget the package. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. I'm not going to let you down. But I'm going to do you proud. Okay, you're going to remember us. Do your job and stop acting like such a pussy. I got to take this. Because <laughs> of all the things she calls them. I'm continuing to be impressed with Darlene. And Angela's such a character change. It's very dramatic. Yeah, Darlene is kind of like the, the role of a sergeant. And sometimes like these, you know, army movies or capers where uh you have a squad of people doing something she's foul mouth she's not the most educated or skilled but she has this kind of street smart sense about her in many ways she her character would have been the one played by ernest board nine back in the day where he's just kind of a foul mouth sergeant who kind of cracks the whip uh, <laughs> so so I, I appreciate her character a lot and angela's continual evolution is this kind of uh, sly, sneaky, you know, self-serving person a bit. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I hear you. And I think on a final note, the conversation between Mr. Zhang and, and Dominique about the nature of revolution, I mean, I definitely think that's where we're heading. So it'll be cool to see how the story continues. Well, thanks, Henry. And I want to thank all of the listeners who have been subscribing in record numbers to this podcast that's really exciting so thank you if you have time and you feel like rating and reviewing us on itunes it's so annoying to have to ask that but it's the dumb algorithm that apple and other services use to allow new listeners to discover a given podcast it's kind of a broken ecosystem podcast discovery but that's for a whole other discussion if you want to join in on the conversation beyond that please feel free to go to our facebook page at hello friend podcast it would be great to hear from you there and you might be interested in some of our other podcasts one is called zombie jamboree all 
about The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. And then there's also Orphan Cast, all about Orphan Black. And then there's the Digital Burrito Technology Podcast that I mentioned earlier. And episode eight is mostly about Silk Road. Sounds good, Margaret. Well, really great uh, chatting about this episode and looking forward to next week. Okay, you take care, Henry. Talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. I have something in my office I think you might appreciate. The artist strives to reflect the desolation and anxiety that accompanies one's loss of identity. His message is subversive to many in our country. Nevertheless, the work appeals to the masses and to the individual. How is it that revolution can create such beautiful art? Yet you and I are tracking revolutionaries who've created nothing but turmoil. There's more to the story. Sorry? FBI, while you joined. What was it? It's a little personal. That's precisely why I'm asking. If I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you If I could make days last forever If words could make wishes come true Save every day like a treasure And then again I would spend them with you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do once you find them I've looked around enough to know That you're the one I want to go Just for wishes And dreams that had never come true The box would be empty Except for the memory of how They were answered by you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do Once you find them Looked around enough to know you're the one I want to go through.